0: Welcome to the Heights Sermon Series Podcast, where each week you'll hear a new message that'll help you with your life shaped by the way. And good morning, Heights family. Great to see you. I say that every week because I mean it every week. Go always good to all be together today as we continue our series on heaven and hell. Now I say continue if you're new to our church or maybe been out a couple of Sundays. Today's only the second Sunday uh, that we've been in this series. We started last week and uh, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that. It was on the importance of studying heaven and hell. And when I say studying, I don't mean just like in a Bible study or, you know, in a sermon series, but but being able to regularly, daily, weekly be thinking about heaven and hell and the role that plays in our lives. Every one of us got decisions to make this week. Most of us may be working through maybe a little bit of a heavy issue right now. What's the right answer? What's the right way? Hey, you'd be surprised the kind of wisdom and clarity thinking about heaven and hell brings into today. And so that's a big reason why we're taking this time to study this and think through that. So today we're going to kind of big picture, we're going to see heaven. Uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to fly over. That's kind of a strange idea, flying over heaven. But, but we're going to do a flyover, get the big picture of heaven. Next week, we'll come back and uh, we'll go to the other place. We'll do a flyover, hell, get the big picture of that. And then following that is where we'll get into some more intricate issues and questions and ideas regarding heaven and hell. So today, though, we're going to be looking at the new heaven, the new earth, the, the new city. You know, when I say that word city, what, what comes to your mind? I, I'm, I'm guessing similar images come into all of our minds. Big buildings, right? I mean, if I think of a city, it's probably the very first thing I see. Big, I see big buildings, masses of people, traffic, why a lot of us don't live in the big city, right? We see traffic. Hey, what takes us? Why do, why do we, even those of us that don't live here, why do we go to the big city? Sports, entertainment, arts, uh, shopping, right? Everything's in the city. And, and so you, we, we, we got all these ideas that come to our mind. Even if you, and you're sitting out there, I know who you are. Yeah, I hate the big city. I don't ever go into the city. You still think the exact same things as all the people around you who love the city. I mean, those images, not a matter whether I like it or don't like it, the same images come into our mind. Do you know why? Because words communicate. When we say a word, we say that word because I want a certain image or idea to come into your mind. So when I say dog, pow, guess what we're all thinking about? We may be thinking about a hundred different kinds of dogs, but we're all thinking about a dog. And you know what I don't do? I don't say dog if I want you to think of a cat. Because words communicate. And do you know who knows this? Shock and awe, God. God knows that when he says a word, when he gives us a word, that images are going to come into our mind. I mean, nothing's going to stop that. If God says dog, wham, we're all thinking about dogs, not giraffes or cats or, or anything else. God is the ultimate communicator. You know, let me remind you one of the titles, one of the names of Jesus is the Word. John chapter 1, verse 1 In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That word, Word, in the Greek language is logos. And the word logos has the idea of content. This is content. This is truth. And it's about communicating and giving that content and that truth. That is a title of Jesus because Jesus is the content of God. Jesus is the revelation of God. Jesus is God wanting you to know. Wanting you to understand. God doesn't say things to be confusing and mysterious and we never really get what it means. He wants us to know. You know, I say the word city. We, when we're thinking about heaven, we maybe think about happiness or the perfect life. What comes into your mind? Now, we're going to probably a broader spectrum of what comes into our mind with happiness than, than like say the word city. I mean, some of us, if we're happy, we're indoors. Some of us are outdoors. Some of us are eating, some of us not so much. I mean, we've got all kinds of ideas. But when I say the word city, happiness, perfect life, where we're all the same is we're going to think about very real and concrete images connected to this earth. And and the reason we're going to do that is because we are physical people made in a very physical world, made that way by God. So when God talks to us about heaven and uses words he knows, puts images in our mind, take it that way. I'm not saying there's not symbol. I'm not saying there's not some things that are a little bit difficult to understand. But good interpretation always starts with a plain reading of Scripture. And there's something about when we start reading about heaven, our mind just goes into like a new place. You know, oh, can't really understand this, can't really know what it means. N- 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 no, no, that, that's not true at all. God said city because he wants you thinking of a city, not fluffy clouds, right? So with that in mind, let's read about heaven. Would you open with me today to Revelation chapter 21, Revelation chapter 21, very end of your Bible, very, very, very end. Go to maps and come back a few pages. Revelation 21, I'm going to read a long passage. As a matter of fact, I'm I'm going to read a few verses into chapter 22. So buckle up, I think you'll find it pretty interesting. Revelation 21, beginning in verse 1. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. God's just like me, doesn't have any use for the beach. No, that's probably not true. But that is a strange statement, isn't it? The sea. No more, no more sea. Uh, verse 2, And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne, saying, Look, God's home is now among his people, and he will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. Oh, this is something I know we all look forward to. He'll he'll wipe away every tear. Wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things. Gone, 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 gone. No more. Never again. Verse 5. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, to all, you are in all. There's nothing about you. No matter where you've been, what you've done, you're still in all. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely. That's how God wants to give to you and me today. Life, life abundant, heaven, freely. Freely. From the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Sounds like heaven's for everybody, doesn't it? All but but in contrast to what God is offering, in contrast to what God wants to do in all lives, there are cowards and unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral. Those who practice witchcraft. I thought that was a funny word to jump out there. How many people practice witchcraft? I mean, mean, look at all these other words. I mean, good gracious, we all kind of fall in those words. But witchcraft? You know, that word is from the Greek word there is pharmacia. It's one who are using drugs to develop alternate realities. Oh, okay, Lord, I got it. (laughs) We got that problem. Idol worshipers and all liars. Their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. We talked about this last week. There's very clearly two different places. There is very clearly uh, two different groups of people. Then one of the seven angels who held the seven bowls containing the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come with me and I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. So he took me in spirit to a great high mountain and he showed me the holy city. "'Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. "'It shone with the glory of God "'and sparkled like a precious stone, "'like jasper, as clear as crystal. "'The city was broad and high "'with twelve gates guarded by twelve angels, "'and the names of the twelve tribes of Israel "'were written on the gates. "'There were three gates on each side, "'east, north, south, and west. "'The wall of the city had twelve foundation stones, "'and on them were written the names "'of the twelve apostles of the Lamb.' The angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. When he measured it, he found it was square as wide as it was long. In fact, it's length and width and height. So it's not more than a square. Now it's a cube, right? Length, width, and height were each, and boy, this is a hard one to grasp, 1,400 miles. Your your translation may say 12,000 stadia. You say, what's a, what's 12,000 stadia? Well, that's about 1,400 miles. Then he measured the walls and he found them to be 216 feet thick. According to the human standard used by the angel, the wall was made of jasper and the city was pure gold as clear as glass. That, that phrase is used of heaven quite a few times. Pure gold, clear as glass. Have you ever thought, how can it be both? You ever heard the new cities? Oh, it's all gold. No, oh, it's all glass. Well, which one is it? it Yes, it, it's crystal, it's glass that a pure gold has been cast into. If you've ever watched Glass Made, you see what that looks like. Verse 19, the wall of the city was built on foundation stones inlaid with 12 precious stones. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth barrel, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were made of pearls. Each gate from a single pearl. Gosh, I wonder what that means. It means each gate was made by a single pearl. Read it for what it says, and I'd like to see the oyster. And the main street was pure gold, as clear as glass. No temple in the city. For the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need for sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city. The Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day, because there's no night there. And all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter. Praise the Lord, huh? Every problem you've had this past week, every one you're going to have is connected to evil. None of that's there. None of that's there. Nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty. I love how it uses these words that a whole lot of us say, well, I don't do that. And then it uses another one and goes, oh, never mind. But only those, this is an important line, who's found in this place? Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, with a fresh crop each month. Hey, you know, it takes days to make a month, doesn't it? It takes days, takes weeks. Months add up to years. There's 12 here. There's still some level of measurement of time going on in heaven. Otherwise, you wouldn't use the word month. No longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and the Lamb will be there, and His servants will worship Him, and they will see His face And his name will be written on their foreheads, and there will be no night there, no need for lamps or for the sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. Like we said last week, there is a forever and ever. And you have no possibility of making a good, right, and wise decision today that's not in light of forever and ever. Now, I just read a long passage, if you dozed off there and came back. Yeah, I was still reading. Long passage. You know, there's about three or four sermons in there. And I wouldn't even say if I had broken that up into three or four sermons, I wouldn't even say we'd done a deep dive. I'd say we'd be a lot led that I wouldn't be covering. So yet I'm doing it all in one message because we're just going to get an overview. matter of fact, all I want today is you see four things. We're going to see four things as we fly over heaven. And if you're watching the clock, just a little warning, I will take more time on number one than I will two, three, and four combined. Okay? And it's not because two, three, and four aren't important. We're just going to take a lot of time on number one because it's what the bulk of this passage is about, and that is the new heaven, the new earth, and this new city. Notice the word new. This is a brand new creation. This is not a renovation This is not a cleanup. God is delivering an entirely brand new heavens. And and hear that, think of the skies and what you look up and see. Entirely new heavens, entirely new earth, and then is going to be delivered this new city. Now, God knows when I hear the word earth or sky, heavens, things come into my mind, right? Things come into your mind. And I immediately start thinking, well, I wonder what's different I, 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 I wonder what's changed. And so right away he tells me, hey, as you, as obvious images come into your mind when you hear the word earth, eh, eh, no sea. No sea. I, I find that very interesting. You know, no, no, no sea. Why, why, why no salt water? Why, why is God doing that? Now, I don't want to bounce back and forth and say, okay, we're going to take this literal and we're going to take this symbolic. And we're going to take this as a metaphor and we're not, we're just going to ignore this altogether because who understands it? I don't want to bounce all over the place, but I started all this off by saying, when I say a word, an image comes into your mind, right? So part of interpreting is not just understanding the word that comes into your mind and my mind, but what was, what came into the mind of the people when this is written. (laughs) I don't, I don't think roten is a word, uh, what, was, what, what, what came into their mind when this was written? And folks, when you and I hear the word sea, it is very different from what came into the mind of ancient people. We, we have a totally different view and understanding of the sea. You say, well, what, what, what? No, they went out on boats and they went fishing. They sure did. Maybe 2% of the entire planet. Oh, they had cities on the... We all like to look out at the water, right? They had cities on the sea. Nobody went out there. Nobody. You, you didn't go on cruises. You, 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 did, you didn't go out and play on the... day. were no sea dues. We weren't, we weren't doing that. As a matter of fact, do you know what the sea was for 97, 98% of the population? It was a boundary. It was a stopping point. Another thing they didn't all do is they didn't swim. Nobody swam. You you, you didn't know how to swim. So when they looked at what you and I call the sea, the ocean, what they saw is a boundary. And all they knew that came out of there was storms. Storms that tore everything down. All they knew out there... Matter of fact, they would look at sea, they would see death, and they would see darkness, and they would see confusion. That's the images that would come to their mind. So while you and I hear, hey, there's no sea, what? There's no cruises in heaven? That's not what they thought. They thought, oh, no boundaries. Seventy percent of the planet's covered in salt water. No boundaries. Not in the new heaven. See, now you can't think of an earth without thinking of all the boundary of a place you will never go. No, that doesn't exist. So, so possibly, could be, could be just no salt water. It could be that God's saying, hey, there's, there's no death, there's no boundaries, there's no place you're going to be afraid to go because people were afraid to go out onto that water. So that's the first thing. Another thing, you and I, when we think of, 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 of the skies, the heavens, when we think of earth, well, we're going to think of the sun and the moon, right? I mean, they govern every single day. You, you, you probably look up at, comment about, think about the sun and the moon every single day. And God says, yeah, that's not going to really be such a big deal here. Now, notice he didn't say there was no sun and moon. Did you catch that? He didn't say there is no sun and moon. He said there's no need for it. Why is there no need for it? Because of the glory of God. So, everybody can see my, my, cell phone, my light, the light on my cell phone, right? Can you all see that? Anybody out there? Yeah. Back row, can you see it? Yeah, back on the row, they can see it. We can all see this. Yeah, there you go. I got to join another moon. (laughs) We can all see it. But it's irrelevant in here, isn't it? With the size of this room and the lighting that is on, we can see that it's there. It's just irrelevant. Okay? This is our sun, and this is the glory of God. This is a good representation of our sun. And all this is probably falling way short of what the glory of God is going to be like to take in. So no, no uh, boundaries, salt water. we got to figure that one out. No, no need of that sun and moon. But other than that, okay, he said earth. And he said, now let me, let me change a couple of the ways you think. And he gives us those ways. After that, he doesn't say anything else. So I think a lot of the things that you and I enjoy about the heavens and the earth, we will continue to enjoy in the new heaven and the new earth. Because God used that word and he knows what comes into my mind. He corrected me on a couple of things and then he said imagine and have fun. And remember you can always go back to Genesis 1 and 2. Because we do see there when God was doing something really good, something perfect, we see what was included in that and involved in that. So it's imagination, but it's a good imagination. It's a biblical imagination that we start to fill that in. Now, I, I would like John to have maybe told me a few more things about what he saw and not just what he didn't see. But but he immediately leaves the whole big picture, and he hones in on the new city, right? He says, man, it, was, it gosh, it was like a bride. You, you know, I, I think he uses an idea there that's almost a universal experience. It was 2,000 years ago. It's true today. There's just something about when those doors open and the bride steps through. Well, that's a beautiful moment, isn't it? There's just something about her in that moment, all her glory, all her beauty. I get, I'm pretty good authority on this because I've stood here 100, 175 sometimes and watched that bride come down the aisle. So I know. And, and But it's universal. We all, In that moment, everybody's looking. You know, during the wedding, uh, again, I'm standing up here. Y'all looking around. You know, what time? I wonder what they're eating at this reception. You know, but when the door opens, we're not looking around. That is, that is a moment where every eye is trained on one place. And boy, John says that's what, that's what this moment is going to be like. This new city, this holy city. Remember, holy means distinct, set apart, not like anything else. And it is a city that is is arrayed by, that runs on the glory of God. Now, we use the phrase glory of God. We say glory to God and praise God. But it I'm guessing when I say the glory of God, not a whole lot comes to our mind, actually. How do we try to imagine this city in which the dominant feature is is the glory of of God? Well, let's think about the glory of man for a moment. Let's think about our cities and and what awes us about them. I I grew up in Houston, fourth, I think, fourth largest city in the nation. I looked up the cities this week. I've been around. I, I didn't realize I'd been around. I've been to... All ten of the top ten cities in America, and I've been to twenty-one of twenty-five largest cities in America. So I, I, I you want to know about what cities look like? I, apparently, you can ask me. But you know, I've all cities, and they all have something unique and special. You know, they all do. But New, New York is just—it's that's just New York, right? I mean, the, that that is the the awe. That is the glory of man. When you are driving north up the New Jersey Turnpike and you see it from a distance, or you're flying in and looking down on it, or you're just standing right in the middle of it. I mean, there's that that sense of awe. I imagine if you live there, you get over it a little bit, but but for most of us, you just when you walk around in New York, it. It's just is so much to take in. That feeling inside, that awe, that overwhelming, that's glory. And in this case, it's the glory of man. We're in awe of of what we've done. And boy, you you look up and all those the Empire State Building, 1453 feet, feet, little tiny feet, fourteen hundred and fifty-three feet high. That used to really stand out. I I didn't look it up. I, I think, in there like half a dozen buildings over 2,000 now? I, I think so. so you'll, you'll Google it and let me know at the end of the service. But I, I I think there's like half a dozen buildings or more over 2,000 feet. But still, the Empire State Building is, is the Empire State Building. 1,453 feet. On a clear day, you can see 80 miles. On a clear day, from the top of the Empire... How many have been to the top of the Empire State Building? Man, look at all the hands... Yeah, a big big tall building, six hours from here, and look how many of us have been there. Go up there to the top of that, and you can see New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Pennsylvania. I mean that that's that's the awe of man, that's the glory of man. So we got an idea of of what the glory of man is like, right? Okay, I, I kind of hear what you're saying. I, I see what that looks like. I know. I know the feeling. So now, how do I understand the glory of God? Well, New York City will be a really solid pebble in the new city. That—that's the difference between the glory of God and the the glory of man. We'll, we'll just start here with the measurements: fourteen hundred by fourteen hundred, not feet, miles. That—that that means the new city is the length of the East Coast. The new city runs from Maine. to to Florida. If if, if we're standing right here at the pulpit and we're looking due west, you're going to get all the way into Colorado. So the new city is roughly the size of two-thirds of the United States. Now that part, as big as it is, I can at least grasp. It's the next measurement I don't think any of us can grasp. 1,400 miles up. What in the world? well, I hope there's a good playlist on that elevator music. <laughs> My God, how long are you on that elevator? And what do you do if you don't like the person in the elevator with you? That's a long... Ah, there's nobody you don't like in heaven because there's none of that. Still seems like a long ride, doesn't it? I, what What does 1,400 miles... Does that mean that if I'm looking at the skyline... Of the new city, there's, there's points, buildings, whatever, that, that reach 1,400 miles. I mean, possibly, maybe. Uh, I, I've, I've read some speculation even that the city will be in levels. That, that, that there'll be this, you know, two-thirds the size of the United States, first level with buildings that go 3,000 feet in the air. And then we'll go up, I don't know, 10 miles and we'll put a whole brand new level. And then you'll have a whole city that gets built up from there, and then we'll go up more miles, and we'll put in—I I, I don't know—it that—that's hard to grasp and understand a city that goes up fourteen hundred miles. But if I'm trying to understand the glory of God, that does help me because I know I'm pretty in awe of fourteen hundred and fifty-three feet. So I'm guessing fourteen hundred miles is going to be wow, but pretty overwhelming. People have put the you know the calculator to this, trying to figure out living comfortably in the city, how many people would go here. Now, some of this depends on the 1,400 miles up, but roughly 100 billion will fit comfortably into the new city. 100 billion. We have 8 billion on planet earth today. And a hundred billion will fit comfortably in here. So what, what gives us a sense of awe, of, of being overall? Size, grandeur, bigness does it. But there's other things that give us a sense of awe. The, the, the beauty of something. The wealth of something. The, the, uh, the luxury of something. Well, how about this thing? I mean, we, we've got a single gate made of a pearl. Listen, folks, you do get it. It, If God can make a pearl that's this big, well, then he can make a pearl that's any size. Okay, God's not going, whew, that one's going to be in 12 of them. All right, well, we'll get started here. We should be done by next month. No, he just speaks the pearl into existence. Now, how big is it? Well, the wall is 216 feet thick. So it has to be at least 216 feet in circumference, Right? Now, it's not saying that they could be much bigger than that. I mean, this is a wall that's in proportion to the city that it holds. And it has a wall because, again, in this day and time, every good city had a wall. That was the security of a city. That was the peace of a city was its wall. So whether we're blown away in awe of size and grandeur or maybe it's beauty and opulence, uh, the glory of God has all that. And that is what we just call our hometown. That's our hometown in the new heavens and the new earth. Note, there's nothing in this passage or anywhere to suggest that you and I are confined. We're not confined to this place. That's where we're going to live, but we're not confined to it. I I actually believe we'll travel the universe. Why? because creation gives us so many opportunities to praise God for his wisdom, his intricacy, his artwork, his power. I believe we'll be all over this universe. The new city is just my hometown. All right, now we'll talk about that more in a, in a coming sermon or two. So there, there's your new heaven and new earth. Seems like a place to hang out. I mean, if we're going to do a forever and ever, that, that sounds like a pretty good place to start with. Second thing that we see, and this really is the most important, man, man we see God. We, we see the very presence of God. Now understand presence. You know, I, I mean if I had been, I wasn't, but if I had been in England the last two weeks, I probably would be saying, Man, I was in the I was in the presence of royalty. I was in the presence of the the queen, or at least her body. I was in the presence of King Charles III. Now, they didn't know I was in their presence. And if they did, probably wouldn't care that much. That's not what we mean here to talk about being in the presence of God. You know, I'm going to, I mean, hey, look, look. Hey, God, there's God. I've been wanting to see him forever. There he is. No, no, in in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, in the Bible, presence always communicates intimacy, a closeness, blessing, fellowship. Fellowship is what you have when you sit down at the table together and enjoy a meal, right? That's how that word is used throughout the Bible. And that's the idea of presence here. I am going to enjoy always the the feeling, the experience, and the closeness of sitting down at the table with God, not just in the city and pointing to where he is. Now, here's the thing that we, you know, we're not going to get, we're not going to be able to understand this today But I'm going to enjoy that closeness if I'm in the throne room that's at the center of the new city or if I am in the far outreaches of the universe. There will never be in heaven an experience of getting closer or further from God. You will always be as close as you can get. Which reminds us, after all this size and jewels and everything there, folks, it's God that makes heaven what heaven is. It's God that makes heaven What we want. Three. Number three. Now number three and number four. Actually I said we're going to see four things. Is that what I said earlier? Well number three and four are things we don't see. Two things you see are things you don't see. Hey we don't see bad stuff. Can we just put it that way? We don't see bad stuff. You see these, these things right here. But folks it's not just these things that we're not going to see in heaven. It's all of the things that cause those things what's made you cry in the last week the last month that won't be in heaven what's made you hurt in the last month that won't be in heaven what are the things that cause death you say there's a thousand things that cause death yeah i've been thinking about this i think there's only four there's four things that cause death age accidents disease, and crime. Wouldn't about every way fall under those four ways? Well, it doesn't matter if I got... It's three ways, four ways, five ways. However you break down, none of it's in heaven. That's all we need to know. Nothing that causes death is in heaven. Amen. Amen. Everything that's ever made you cry, not there. I don't cry. Okay, well, on the inside. (laughs) Stuff made you cry on the inside, you big liar. It's not there either. Okay? Number four. This is a harder one. Number four. We see that we don't see everybody in heaven. Not not everybody's there. I find it very curious in the, the longest passage in the Bible detailing heaven. I mean, would you say that Revelation 21 is about heaven? Yeah, I mean, that, that's the subject matter. And yet, not once, but twice. Twice in talking about heaven, God points to who's not there. Say, Gosh, God must be mean. No, verse 7, I want everybody to be there. I've done everything necessary for everybody to be there. And I offer it freely. I offer it freely. But to be there... You have to have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You have to be a citizen of heaven. I love those two ideas, those two phrases, because they—you can't use kind of. If it said, "Are you a good?" Per, you have to be a good person. Kind of. But if it says your name's got to be in the Book of Life, there's no kind of right. We open the book, and my my name's there, or it's not there. There's no kind of. Well, it's in process. I, in process doesn't count when the book's opened. It's there or it's not the same as being a citizen. Now, being a citizen, you can be in process, right? But it's not a process. It's that day. Are you a citizen that day? That would have to lead us to ask the question, how do I know if I'm a citizen? How do I know if my name is in the Lamb's book of life? Oh man, you know it It happens. The Bible's so clear about this over and over and over. When I place my life under the love and forgiveness, when I place my life under the blood of Jesus Christ. In other words, I stop trusting in myself. I stop going to my sin for revenge and for healing and for hope and, and for hell. I stop going to everything I go to and I go to Christ alone. At that moment, I become a child of God. I'm written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, a lot of us in here have made that decision, haven't we? It may have been a week ago. may have been 30, 40 years ago. But we've done that. And a lot of us have had the experience of wondering, how do I know for sure? Because there seems to be a lot writing on this, right? How do you not every now and then doubt yourself and wonder, did I do it right? Did I, did I do enough? Did I do what I was supposed to do? You know, when you look at verse 8 there, and it's, it's got this list of sins, cowards, unbelievers, corrupt, murderers, immoral, those who are practicing in, in drugs, idol worshipers, all liars. Whoops, that wrapped up, everybody. You know, here's the good news and the bad news. The bad news is that's not meant to be a list of the sins that keep you out of heaven. All sins keep us out of heaven, right? I mean, if I said, hey, folks, listen, we lie, we steal, we cheat, we're all sinners. I don't have to list every single sin to say we're all sinners. I can say, hey, we lie, we steal. We... In other words, I kind of get the juices flowing. Yeah, 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 I got it. We all, we all mess up, okay? This isn't the only list of sins that keep us out of heaven. And here's the good news. These sins won't keep you out of heaven. The blood of Christ can take care of every one of these sins. But you know what those sins give me a chance to look at right now? As somebody who made a decision for Christ, who placed my life under his blood in 1982. And I'm going to promise you since 1982, I've had more than one not-so-good day. I've had more than one, man, look what a great believer I am day. Right? Anybody else in here know what I'm talking about? You can all say amen right now. Okay? So I've had more, and you know, you wonder, well, gosh, how do I know? And boy, i got to keep going back to the cross. And i and I got to keep trusting. But what I have here is character qualities of the life of Satan in hell. So we're talking about heaven, aren't we? We're talking about the character of heaven. And the character of the God who holds that heaven. And, and when I place my life under Christ, then I should have a life, praise God for his patience... I should have a life that daily, slowly, increasingly is starting to gain more and more of the character of God and more and more of the character of heaven and less and less of Satan and his kingdom. And so when I look at that list, you know, folks, it's one thing to fail in one of these areas. It's another thing when those are areas I defend. I defend my right to do that. I defend my right to be that. It's another thing when not only have I failed in that area, I plan on failing this week. I'm not sorry for it. That's how I live. That's what I'm going to do. You see, now that's more than just a sin I committed. That's a character quality of my life. I actually believe the blood of Christ covers that too. But as you and I are walking through life, and every now and then we ask ourselves, how do I know? If I look at a list like that, And it begins to represent my life. I think at some point I have to ask myself. Not about the efficiency and the effectiveness of the blood of Christ. I need to ask myself about why do I think I'm saved? Why do I think I'm trusting in Christ? Why do I think that I'm holding on to Christ? When I am rebelling against all he is and who he is. And that would be something I I would think you'd want to work out with the Lord. You'd you'd want to go to his word and look for answers because your feelings are not an answer to that question. God's word is an answer to this question. Gosh, I wonder what are the big things we've got to work through this week, the balance of this year, big decisions we make. I imagine some of us are making some decisions we're pretty excited about, got a lot of hope in. I imagine some of us are dealing with some decisions and issues that we're scared to death of. And yet I would suggest to you those things will all come and go. There's nothing bigger than you and I think about that. <laughs> is my name in the Lamb's book of life? Is my life giving any evidence to that? And oh, hold on to a gracious, patient God. Amen. Amen. But is my life giving any evidence at all of a faith that I say I have in the King of Kings and the one who holds, not the keys to the city, he holds the entire thing in his hand. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for a glimpse. Lord, may that be enough glimpse that it actually shapes how I live this week ahead. It guides me in the decisions I make. It reminds me there's a place I'm going to forever and I want my characters, my character qualities, I want my life, I want my decisions to represent that which I love. I want it to represent that place that I am going. Holy Spirit, would you help me? And Jesus, thank you for the grace and the forgiveness when I don't do such a good job at that. I thank you that your love... Gosh, your love's not only bigger than all my sin, your love's bigger than this whole city. Nothing bigger than your love. Oh, that we might come and rest in that. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen.